Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Katzmatidis Roundtable. This morning, I have the opportunity to have a friend, a banker, a real estate owner, a, uh, an, a special person by the name of Joseph Pistelli, who is the CEO of Pistelli Real Estate Company. And uh, Pistelli Real Estate Company has been around since 1975. They own property in every borough except for Staten Island, specializing in the residential rental market. Since, it, since you're a residential key, let's talk about what's your thoughts about the residential market with regard to after the 2019 legislation. Well, it's nice to see you again, Mike, and I hope everything's going well. It is. Thank you. Um, I, I see the residential market as one that's bounced back. It's strong again. That definitely has come back. I think that the changes in the regulatory process of um, the residential market that has happened since uh, 2019 has definitely um, changed how investors are looking at the property, how new investors are coming in, and how banks are looking at um, that particular type of real estate. Uh, the laws that, the changes that were made truly, truly changed the environment of commercial real estate in New York City. So how how they change them? And I failed to say that you're also the chairman of the board of First Central Savings Bank. Correct. Okay, which is a bank who lends to the real estate industry and who understands what's happening. Correct. So let's talk about what happened in 2019 and what effect it's had with the MCI's major capital improvements and so on. Right. So in 2019, actually what happened was probably the most reasonable, affordable housing program that the city of New York was ever able to accomplish, Rent Stabilization Association, those, those regulations had changed. And it's not to say that regulations are not a good thing. They are a good thing. They're not a good thing when it's bad regulation. What they actually did was change the vacancy factors of when a tenant moved out, regardless of what their rent was paid and regardless of how long they lived there, you were no longer allowed to upgrade that apartment. You were no longer allowed to put it out for some form of market rent. Um, and I think what's important in that change, what really took place there, it's not to say that someone can get an apartment for $1,500 a month or whatever the rent may be. What it actually did was take apartments off the market from being made available for other people. The most important thing it did was take about the true culture and philosophy of what the program was about. And the program is about pre, um, maintaining and preserving good housing stock in New York City or in any place. Once that happened, neighborhoods like the Bronx, which were coming up through not only affordable housing programs, but investors were going in to fix up properties and and put them on the market for rent. It was no longer just the affordable housing program available. People began to say, it's a good deal to go there. There's a good future. I'm not sure that's the case any longer. Not only for the Bronx, but for any neighborhood uh, in, in New York City. So I think that's the first thing that's happened uh, with that change or some of those changes. What about the thought of converting some of the office buildings to residential? I think it's a very expensive uh, proposition to do. Uh, we have a very eclectic portfolio. We have 
office buildings, uh, some that we've developed, others that we purchased, um, <clears throat> as well as uh, condominiums and co-ops, and we've developed But you, you've, you've converted industrial properties to residential over the years. I've done that as well as built office buildings from the ground up. What about the situation with the uh, c cost of conversion of these properties, Not no incentives for the landlord to put money into properties today? Right. So, and, the, and the topic of warehousing of apartments. Right. So on, on, on the incentive process of uh, – I, I, I'd like to just, if I may, discuss – I believe that the city of New York – should be able to come up with a formula to offer incentives to office building owners. There are two components with the office building. One of it, you have rentable and usable square footage space. That you use that in your formula. Um, but I think now that um, we don't know when these office buildings will be fully occupied. I know that in our culture, in our uh, own portfolio. We are definitely negotiating with tenants whenever we have an opportunity to adjust their rents, to give incentives, to move them to stay on uh, in, our, in our buildings. We're, we're not at a rate of vacancy that we're suffering with that, but we don't want to go any further than we need to go with that. But I do think that the city of New York would be ahead of the game by being able to offer incentives to property owners with a formula to move that incentive to the tenants. Okay, so now I'm going to turn it around to your banking hat. In this environment, how do you look to financing real estate today? We look at it the same way we did before. The, the, the complexity... But the, but, but the pricing has gone up right. substantially. I mean, right. you had loans at 35 and now they're at 6%. How do you underwrite the deal? It's difficult to underwrite certain deals. I think there are more owners that are going to be writing checks to put more equity in those properties if they want to keep them in order to get them financed. Or they're going to be looking at alternatives such as selling them. And where do you think uh, it's the best opportunity? I know that you were very bullish for a couple of years on the Bronx. What's your thoughts today about the other boroughs? I think I'm, I'm a Queens boy. I love Queens. I think it's a great place to... Uh, to invest, I think it's very, very ethnically diversified. I think a lot of companies find a lot of convenience there. Uh, so I think that uh, Queens is a very good place to invest. I think the Bronx is good, too. We have a project we're looking now. We're doing a zoning change, a very small piece of property. We've owned it for 25, 30 years. Um, so we're going to try to put up about 90 units there, 95 units. I'm looking at doing the whole thing 100% affordable. Um, so people hear the point 100% affordable. You're a developer. You're a capitalist. How do you make money if it's 100% affordable? Well, I think that the, the, the way to make the money with that, now I'm not a professional on affordable housing. I have family members that are, uh, and I hope to use them to accommodate us to, to make that. Uh, that, that switch over. No, we've always been uh, a straight orthodox builder developer. Right. What about retail? You know, it, borough retail, I think, is, has returned. It's neighborhood retail is an important factor. How, is, how do you see the retail market? I think retail's coming back, except if you're driving in Manhattan. Uh, you see a lot of vacancy store after store after store. I think a lot of um, avenues, such as Madison Avenue, 
which um, you've got very, very high-end stores who didn't really care if they sold a bracelet or a watch or a, a T-shirt. It was really a marketing device of saying, we're in New York City, Madison Avenue. I think with that being said, Mike, I really believe that our elected officials need to bring New York City back by letting people know this is where it's happening, this is how it's going to happen. And, and I think that I think our city or elected officials and state, they're missing that. They're missing that moment of saying COVID is over and COVID is over. You know, there's a remarkable, because this is nationwide to some degree. What's really happening when you listen to this, um, the, 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 the governor of Florida speak and you listen to what he says he's done and you listen to what he says he's going to do. He is saying nothing but one thing. The American dream is in the palm of his hands if we want it. And that's how I interpret that, man. And the results are the longitude and latitude of Florida. And people should look at that, at that state. So have you bought your, your next property in Florida? I think I missed the boat. You think you missed the boat? I don't think Joe Pistelli has missed the boat too much as a banker or as an owner, and I'd like to thank Joe Pistelli for being here today on the Stoli Report and on the Cats Roundtable. Thanks again, Joe. Michael, thank you. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority. PriorityGoldGuide.com